Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 259. Whatever it is that you collect, whatever it is that you're passionate about, that's what you should buy and that's what you should enjoy. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiast. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Mark Hyman. Mark, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to go. All right. Great to have you here. Mark Hyman is the founder of Hyman Limited Classic Cars, located in St. Louis, Missouri. They specialize in the acquisition and sale of pre-war classic automobiles and post-war American collectible cars, as well as pre- and post-war sports cars. If you visit Mark in his beautiful facility or check out his website, you'll encounter an extremely wide variety of the most iconic vehicles ever built, and some of them are probably cars you've never even seen. Mark caters to collectors and museums both in the United States and internationally. Mark, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your business, your interests, and of course your passion for automobiles? Well, yes, of course, and, and thanks again for having me on your radio show. You're welcome. I would say, to, you know, to start the conversation, I'd say that I'm a really, really fortunate guy. Um, I've been a car nut since I was very small. I, I remember as a little kid collecting as many corgi toys and any kinds of cars and trucks I could accumulate and get my parents and my grandparents to buy me. <laughs> and it was I, I spent days playing with them, driving them from one side of my bedroom to another, you know, driving them from the bathroom to the kitchen. <laughs> and when they got there, I would turn around and drive them back. <laughs> and, you know, so it really was, and very seriously, it was a, a passion from the time I was a little kid. A kid, I used to love working on anything mechanical and gathering up the neighborhood lawnmowers that were broken and fixing them and then reselling them and building go-karts and building mini-bikes. And uh, my my family actually was in the tire business. Okay. And as a result, um, I was around mechanics and I learned a bit about mechanics and automobiles from from not only my, my father, but some of the people who worked for him. Mm-hmm. So my my interest in mechanical objects and kind of evolved. When I was seven or eight years old, my father bought a 1920 Hudson Doctor's Coupe. And my dad wasn't isn't a really hands-on guy. He sent it out, he had it restored, 
we got the car back and my dad and I showed it together a lot and I became obsessed with the whole antique car culture, the hobby, everything about it. I I would sit in class and draw cars and fantasize about cars and, and I really did as as a young kid I became obsessed with the entire antique car world. Yeah. And cool. it was always my dream from the time I was a little kid or a teenager to one day retire from whatever I was going to do and do what most old guys do, the like cars, and they have two or three cars, and they have a little car barn sort of thing, sort of thing and that's where they spent their time. <laughs> but so things went a different my, direction. Yeah, they did. You know, I completed my undergraduate degree in finance at Arizona State University back, I guess it was the early 80s, and I be, went in the real estate business for about 10 years, and I was a real estate developer and broker in the late 1980s. And again, during that whole time, I always had one or two or three antique cars. Mm-hmm. In the late 80s, the real estate market got kind of rough. Yes, and it did. I was, I was working on a master's degree in international finance, and I actually stumbled across a project car fossil vega in North St. Louis in the slums, and I ended up buying the car for 3500 bucks and... I was still in the real estate business, and I sold the car for forty grand about three weeks later. All right. And this was a time when the real estate market wasn't great. I was working on a master's degree, and while I enjoyed working on the master's degree, I really hated school. Uh-huh. I, all of a sudden, I bought this car. I sold this car. I sold it to somebody in Europe, which was fun. The chase of buying the car was fun. Finding the car was fun. Acquiring it and selling it was a blast. And, you know, you, you, you talk about these moments when you say, aha, look what just happened. Mm-hmm. This was fun. It was fun because it, it just pushed a lot of buttons for me. Yeah. I was working on a degree in international finance. I sold the car overseas, so that was interesting and fun. I had bought and sold the car, made some money. That was fun. In the real estate business, I spent all my time, you know, in marble office buildings and you know, fancy cars with a, a suit and tie on, and that isn't fun. <laughs> and when I started playing with cars, I was wearing blue jeans and T-shirts and smoking cigars and driving a pickup, and that was fun. <laughs> there you go. So I decided in the late 80s to take a couple years off of real estate business and see if I could find enough cars for a couple of years to support my master's degree, pay my mortgage, and then I'd go back in the real estate business. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened in eighty nine ninety was that, or in 91 perhaps, is that I completely fell out of love with the real estate industry. I fell in love with chasing cars, and I thought, you know what? Life's not all about money. I don't need to make a lot of money to be happy. I'm going to play with cars, and as long as I can pay my bills, this is a much better lifestyle than than the other. Well, <laughs> there you go. And I, and I believe that, and I felt that way, and I pursued that. And for the first two, three, four years, I paid my bills. And that was the early 90s. Well, since that time, as you know, we built a hell of a business. Oh, yeah. And every single year since 89, our business has grown. We've made more money. We've increased the level of our inventory. It's just Every single year since 89 or 90, the business has continued to grow. Ah. So, you know, my business outlook is I'm a pretty conservative businessman. While when you look at the business, you don't, it doesn't look like a conservative type of an operation. Mm-hmm. It is in that we've grown 
very slowly over 27 years. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the how it evolved. Yeah. Again, I I feel very very lucky every single day to do what I do. I come to work, and I love the cars that we deal in. As a result, I end up loving the people that we deal with. Mm-hmm. And and our objective, truly, our objective is to make customers, make friends. And the money actually follows. That's the easy part. Well, I love your story in many, many ways, but the best part of it is what Cars Yeah is all about, and that's talking with entrepreneurs who figured out how to wrap their passion for automobiles into their vocation, and you've done exactly that. As we continue on your journey, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Mark, take the wheel. Well, if I was going to give you one quote, and one of the things I always tell my kids, and, you know, it's all about motivation, self-motivation, and making things happen. And I always tell my son, I said, Drew, you don't know if you don't go. Well, tell me how you have incorporated that into your business. Well, in many, many ways. And I think what that saying means is you just have to go there. you got to make it happen. you got to try. If you don't try, nothing's going to happen. Yes. And, you know, in, in anything in your life, you can talk about business, you can talk about relationships, you can talk about traveling, anything you do, you've got to be self-motivated, you've got to push yourself, you can't be afraid to take risks, and if you don't go, you don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, there's many, many times I'll get in the airplane and I go flying around visiting customers and, you know, just going here and going there, and, and my, my wife will say, where are you going? I said, honey, I really don't know. I'm just I'm gonna get in the plane for three or four days. I'm gonna go visit friends and visit customers and see what happens. And things always happen. I love it. Yeah. You talked about being a little kid playing with cars, like so many of my guests and myself have done over time. But is there a particular moment in time that instigated your passion for cars? That pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a hardcore car guy? I don't think there was one particular moment. I mean, I really what I do today is exactly what I did when I was six years old in the bedroom. And, and I'm really true. I'm not kidding. I have tractor trailers pull in here every single day, unloading and loading cars. And when I was a little kid in my bedroom, I had toy tractor trailers and I'd load up the trailers and I'd drive them to one side of my bedroom and unload them. <laughs> unload them. Again. And, Very and I'm cool. serious. But it's, what I do today is no different than I did when I was a little kid. It's just a different scale. Let's talk a little bit about challenges or failures. I'd love for you to share a huge challenge or a failure that you've faced along the way in your career. You know, you built up a business over a long period of time, being very careful, very methodical. But uh, this entrepreneurial journey we all go on has a lot of ups and downs. So the best part of this question has to do with how did you overcome that particular situation and what did you learn from it? I look at every single thing that I do every single day as a learning experience. So I sell 250 to 300 cars a year. Wow. And I won't say that I make money on every one because I don't. But the way to learn is to go out and do things and make things happen and take risks. And if you go out and buy it, you know, let's say you go out and buy a car for half a million bucks and you lose 20 or 30 or 50 grand, that hurts. Yeah. But you learn something. So rather than being specific about failures, I'm not sure that that's what's important as is the fact that that's how you learn. You go out and you do it and you make it happen and you take chances. And if you don't go out and learn it, if you don't go out and do it and take chances and fail once in a while, then you're not going to be, then you're not going to grow. 
Yes. So I'm one of these guys that learns by doing. I'm not a great student. You know, I'm not one of those guys that goes in the library and researches. I'm not a guy that um, is good at researching a particular car in the books and then knowing what I'm going to do. I go out and I buy the car. I learn by doing it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of guys are, are very, very book smart, and they research the heck out of something before they go do it. I'm the opposite. I'm very, I have a really good gut feel. Mm-hmm. And so if I decide I want to buy, you know, as an example, a silver ghost, which I really like ghosts, my way of learning about ghosts is go and buy three or four of them and figure it out. <laughs> there you go. goes back to that quote you shared with your son at the beginning of our talk. So I think that's a great. And it goes back to that Nike quote, just do it. Get up and right. no, do it. True. <laughs> Absolutely. True. Right. Let, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. Is there a moment in time with your business, your career, where you had you talked earlier about an aha moment. I like to say it's a time when the headlights came on and illuminated your way for a new direction for an idea that you had. Could you tell us the steps you took in your aha moment to make it successful? I started this business many years ago buying and collecting European sports car projects from all over the United States, bringing them to St. Louis, and then selling them in mass to dealers overseas. Okay. So our business model in the beginning, when we didn't have a great deal of capital to work with or a great deal of knowledge, was we were buying Triumphs and Jags and MGs and Heelys and Mercedes and Alphas, project cars. Mm-hmm. You know, and you buy them for a thousand or two and you sell them for, you know, our margins were phenomenal. You know, you make 30 to 200 percent on a car. Not that that was a lot of money, but it was, you know, margin wise, it was great. Sure. But we did that for roughly 10 years. And, you know, little by little by little, we up to the level of the quality and value of the cars. But about, oh, I'm going to say 11 or 12 years ago, we really made a transformation in terms of what we were doing. We we bought new buildings in, in a nice neighborhood. We had started getting into much, much nicer cars a few years prior, but really needed to transform our image, our location, and everything to kind of showcase what we had become. Mm-hmm. And what we had become was a company who specialized in really, really, really good quality pre-war European and American cars. And we became very active in in uh, the concourse scene across the United States. We became very active in dealing in very, very exquisite, beautifully restored and valuable pre-war French cars. Mm-hmm. You know, like Delahays and Delages and Talbos and things of that nature. We put together two or three collections of those cars for clients, and that morphed us into doing a lot, a lot of other very high-end, what I'll call Concours-level cars. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that transformation is a new premises. Lots of things came about at that same time, and we're not known for the least expensive inventory in the United States, but we are known for some of the best cars in the United States. You have such a an amazing collection of vehicles for sale at any given moment i love to go on your site every week every month and oh what's new what's what's in there and uh it shows what you've done because it's exactly what you've talked about uh i guess in a sense upped your game not that your game was below before by any means but uh it definitely has paid off how about proudest career moments i assume you've had many you attend concours events i've seen you at car concours events your cars have won events and but is there a particular moment in your career that you're really proud of that you'd like to share? Well, I, I would have to say that there's been lots of opportunities and times when I've been really proud of the accomplishments of the company, things that either I've done or my employees have done. 
you know, making money is always fun, but that's really not what the game's all about. I think probably my favorite moment was last August when I had my whole family with me and we won our class at Pebble Beach. Awesome. And that was just, that was the best. You know, I had my, my wife, my three kids, the dog in a 22 Packard uh, one-off Cape Cod tour in the uh, preservation class. And we, it was a huge, huge surprise. We were up against some, some really, really tough cars. Yeah. And we won our class. Awesome. And so I'd say that was the best. You know, congratulations to that. I was very fortunate last August to be sitting up in the judges' booth with some friends of mine who are judges there. And uh, I looked to my left, and I had Sir Jackie Stewart. And I looked to my right, and I had uh, Denise McCluggage, who, of course, we just lost last week. But uh, right. I watched you drive over that podium, and, and uh, it must have been an amazing thing. Amazing thing. So congratulations for that. Fantastic. Thank you. Let's have a little bit of fun. You've owned so many cars throughout your life, but let's talk about the first really special vehicle you ever had, and maybe you could share a memory you have of that car. Well, I still own it, and it's probably my favorite car of all time and and perhaps always will be. But I'm going to say seven or eight years ago, I was out on one of my little car scouting trips, and I'd actually gone to Ohio to buy a cord from a guy. And I, went, I got there, and his wife said, well, he won't be here till tonight. You're early. So I was thinking, oh, God, I'm going to kill a whole day. Who do I know that's close to here mm-hmm. to go visit? And I remembered a guy that I'd met many, many years ago at the auctions, and I called him up, and he said he started laughing. He said, yeah, I'm in town. He said, I don't really live here anymore. I live in Florida, but I'm here, and I'm probably 50, 60 miles from where you're at. Come on over. I'll show you some cars. So I go over there, and this it was crazy. I go over there, and this guy had this giant home on a very large piece of ground, but it looks like it was it was like 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 out of a movie. It was dilapidated and very high grass, and hmm. the house looked like hell. I go in the drive down this long gravel driveway, and there's trees growing out of a swimming pool floor. I mean, oh my it gosh, was, it was it was a mess, a really. little abandoned, yeah. <laughs> so. He shows me some cars in the, in the garage under the house. And the first car I see, there's a 12-cylinder Uganda, an 8-liter Bentley, a Ghost. I mean, all kinds of heavy-duty stuff. Wow. But it all had, like, household goods piled on top of it. Like, almost like the guy was in the storage unit business, and he'd emptied this stuff out of the storage units on top of the cars. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that wasn't his business, but that's how much stuff there was. Yeah. So... And then we're looking and we're talking and I mean, there's dilapidated Cadillacs in the yard and it was a mess. So then we, he says, come on, jump in my pickup. We'll go down the other building. We go down in this long kind of gravel road through these trees and there's this giant metal building back in the woods. He opens it up and there's about 60 cars. Oh my gosh. When they were, when they were parked, they were parked probably six inches apart from each other. Mm -hmm. And now they had flat tires. So they were touching each other. Wow. And again, garbage pile on top of them. But there were pre-war Rolls Royces and two eight-liter Bentleys and a four and a half-liter Bentley and a Ghost. I mean, just tons and tons and tons of stuff. What Heavy was going cars. through your mind? <laughs> I was freaking out. I'm not kidding. Yeah, I was. I was just freaking. And I said to myself, if I could buy any one of these cars, I'd be so excited. Yeah. So anyway, we walk, start walking through this building, and I said to him, I said, 
what are you going to do with all these cars? He goes, oh, I'm going to restore them. <laughs> now, this was a guy who lived in Florida. He was 87 years old, and he was having a hard time walking. Yeah, he's, yeah. And it was a, it was a mess. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, what do you think this thing's worth? He gives me a value. I said, what do you think this is worth? As he gives me a value. Bottom line is he gave me a price on every single car in this building and what he thought they were worth. Mm-hmm. So I just started writing stuff down. And then we go out to lunch. We drank three, four beers. <laughs> I'm not really a beer drinker at lunch, but I was <laughs> more than willing. Yeah, yeah. And then we go back to, he's telling me about his life story and all this stuff. Then we go back to the house and I meet his wife. And we're sitting there talking. And I said, so what are you going to do with all these cars? And his wife looks at him and looks at me like she I could tell she wanted to sell them. Yeah. And I said, Roy, what are you going to do? He goes, ah, oh, probably I should sell them, but I really want to restore them. So this conversation goes on, and I really was kind of freaking out. I said, well, <laughs> let me ask you a question. If a guy was willing to write you a check for all those cars, for what you put, the prices you put on them, would you sell them? And he said, yeah. There you go. <laughs> I added it all up, and I wrote him a check. <laughs> wow. That was, oh, I'm going to guess seven or eight years ago. Uh-huh. And the car that came out of that, now there were some great cars in there, but I sold every single car out of that collection with the exception of a 1931 Bentley 8-liter Tour, mm. which was the first car, the first great car that I bought and kept for myself. There you go. And it's a car that really, to me, embraces every single thing that's great and important about a vintage car. I, I use this car every year. I do the great, I mean, the great, a uh, caliber grand in it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a phenomenal machine. It's, it's big, it's fast, it's loud, it's noisy. It's, you know, it hauls four or five people at a hundred miles an hour all day long. And it's just, it's just the most amazing thing. Wow. So, what yeah. a so story. That, that's my favorite car. <laughs> what a story. Thank you for sharing yep. that with us. I, I think you had us all on pins and needles there for a while going, <laughs> oh, it's one of those uh, Wayne Carini chasing classic cars, only you found more than one. <laughs> you found a whole bunch. Right. How about uh, seller's remorse? Now, you've sold lots of cars. That's the business you're in, buying and selling. But is there one in particular you really wish you could have back as a keeper? No, because I've sold close to 6,000 cars. Oh, my goodness. And, yeah. And... I love to buy cars, and I hate to sell cars. <laughs> my, I, I really do. I adore buying them. I really enjoy having them. And I sell cars because that's my business, and I have to. Sure. I've owned a lot of going Mercedes for 300 to, you know, a million dollars, and, you know, now they're a million to two million. So I look at the cars I sold for three, four, five hundred grand, and I go, boy, I wish I had them back. Well, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, you can't can't look that way. Yeah, I'm 55 years old now, and I look at the whole picture a little differently. You know, for the first 25 years, it was all about enjoying the cars and making a living mm-hmm. and building a successful business. And at this point, I look at it a little bit differently. Not that it's all changed, but yeah, it's important to build the business, and the business is growing very rapidly. So I wanted to continue to do that, but now I also look at it like this. I'm 55 years old, so maybe I got another 20 years of, you know, enjoying the ability to go out and enjoy them and have fun with them. So now I, I don't just look at it like, all right, I'm going to buy it and flip it and sell it. Now I look at some cars and I say, you know what, I'm just going to buy that and keep it. There you go. Because that's what's more important to me today. I don't, 
I don't need the money to eat or to live or to take care of my family. So I look at it differently when I, this year I bought some great cars for myself. And that doesn't mean I'll never sell them, but it does mean that I didn't buy them just to flip them very quick. Is there a project that you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Not necessarily a car, but one of the things that we are doing currently that, that I'm excited about is we've been asked for many, many years by our customers and people around the country to take cars on consignment. And that's not really been our business model in the past simply because my building holds about 125 cars and I didn't have space to take cars on consignment. Mm -hmm. We are in the process right now. I bought another building next to me that's 35,000 square feet. So we now have a lot of space and we are taking select consignments from people and we're being doing a really, really phenomenal job with that. Awesome. So the project that I would tell you about is our expansion, which doubles the size of our, our operation, which gives us the ability to, of course, warehouse twice the number of cars, show twice the number of cars, and, and open our facility and our resources to segments of the market that haven't been served. And I'll elaborate that on that just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Today, the auction houses focus on, not exclusively, but, but the auction houses today really are focused on the, the sports cars. Mm -hmm. And Ferrari, Lamborghini, Maserati, Mercedes, that's what you see really hot and active at the auction houses. There is a really big need for somebody to cater to markets that don't really work as well at the auction houses. And, and as you know, we're big time into pre-war cars. We're very much into brass, nickel, uh, steam, gas, pre-war and post-war classic cars. Mm -hmm. We do lots of Packards and Bugattis and Auburns and Cords and Deuce and Burks and things like that. So buyers for those cars are not guys that typically are going to the auction houses today. Mm. So we've been doing a tremendous job this year of taking a lot of those cars on consignment and, and doing a great job selling them. Can you give um, us an example of a couple of what those vehicles are exactly? Well, a couple of cars we sold this year on consignment that we did really well with. We just sold a 1934 Packard 12-cylinder coupe, mm -hmm. which was a, a Pebble Beach winning car. We had it here for a week. We got the guy what he wanted for it. It was We had a happy seller and a happy buyer, and and we were happy to be able to facilitate it. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we just got in from a good client about six weeks ago, he sent us a load, a truckload of 1950s Cadillacs that were ground up, nut and bolt, Concours perfect cars. Wow. A Brome, a 59 Eldorado Brits, a 58 Eldorado Brits, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And he sent me those cars for the following reason. He said, Mark, if I call the auction houses, they'll take them. But they only want them no reserve because they're a quarter of a million dollars and under. Yep. And he says, I'm not doing that. He said, maybe they work, maybe they don't. With you, I can make the decision. I can decide to sell it or not sell it. Right. And not only that, we facilitate. People want to do trades with us, they'll do trades. Somebody wants to buy the car. You know, the guy wants to buy the car for a couple hundred grand. He wants to give us a deposit for and hold it for six months till he comes up the money, we can do that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, we facilitate trade, 1031 trades, you know. So there's a lot of things that we can do as a dealership that the auction houses cannot do. I see. 
Very cool. Love the, other, it. the other thing that we're the other thing that we're really great at, and that we do a lot for for our customers, is there's a lot of cars out there in a lot of garages that've been sitting twenty years, mm-hmm. and not that they're bad cars, but they need serious detailing. They haven't run in ages, and if you take a guy who's 65, 75, 85, 95 years old, and he's got a garage full of cars that don't run and aren't detailed, mm-hmm. those cars are not ready to go to an auction. Right. We'll send a truck up, we'll pick those cars up, we'll bring them into our shop, we'll get them running, we'll detail them, and that adds tremendous amounts of value to what those cars can do. You put them on the auction, they won't go on an auction block covered with dirt and not running. Right. But you send them to, to us, We've got a whole shop that does nothing but detailing and repair work, and we can take those cars and dial them in and add value. So the net result is that it doesn't cost money to send the cars here. It makes money to send the cars here. Yeah, brilliant. I love it. Very cool. All right, here's a very introspective question for you, Mark. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? And this isn't so much about what kind of car you wish you were. It's how you perceive yourself. I'd be an eight-liter Bentley. <laughs> I kind of thought you might say that. And why, <laughs> and why is I'd that? Be a, I'd, I'd be an eight-liter Bentley. Maybe a little rough around the edges. Uh, <laughs> really well-designed. Goes like hell. Never stops. <laughs> and it just has a lot of fun wherever it goes. There you go. I love it. Might smoke just a little <laughs> bit from those cigars you always have in your hand, too. <laughs> I love yeah. it. So, Mark, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's thank one of our Cars Yeah! sponsors. Award-winning author and designer Dwight Knowlton has done it again. His book, The Greatest Race, is now available. The Greatest Race is the story of Sir Sterling Moss's epic and record-crushing win of the 1955 Mille Miglia in the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR. In collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss himself, Dwight has created a wonderful children's book, from this epic race as a follow-up to his best-selling book, The Little Red Racing Car. I have my own copy of The Greatest Race, and I can tell you, this kid's impressed. Like his previous book, this one is printed in the USA. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand, where you can find both of his books, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at carpegear.com, and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're at his website. That's carpegear.com, C-A-R-P-E gear.com. Okay, Mark, we're back and we're entering the last lap, and this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some really quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Yes. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Can I give you my own automotive advice? Of course. The best automotive advice that I give to my customers is buy what you like. Ah, Yes, absolutely perfect. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? I'm a workaholic. <laughs> I kind of figured that. Do you have a resource that you think the Car Shadow listeners would really enjoy? Maybe it's a website or an app that you get or a blog or a supplier? Yeah, my website. It's a great resource. <laughs> of course. All right, listeners, you can find resources, all these resources that Mark has shared with us at carsyad.com slash Mark. Hyman. And Mark's last name is H-Y-M-A-N. All right, Mark, we're up to the checkered flag. And I think this last question could be a real doozy for a guy like you that's had so many cars run through his hands. If you could only have one in your garage, I know this is going to be impossible, but we'll see how it goes. 
But don't worry about the cost because today I'll buy whatever car you'd like. What would that one vehicle be and why? I think that my the one car that's kind of a fantasy for me and the one car that I'd really like to own would be an HC Alpha. Ah. And the, the HC Alpha is everything, anything and everything that you can imagine in a car all wrapped into one. Yeah, it would, it would be an HC. Yeah, I've had several guests list that car, and I had the pleasure of spending a whole, a whole day with an HC. It belonged to John Shirley. We photographed it. And uh, yes, magnificent vehicles. Uh, they just kind of do everything. You could go out and race them. You can go out and drive them. You can tour them. Uh, they're just works of art. Not only the beauty of the bodywork, but the mechanicals underneath are just mm-hmm. spectacular. Mm-hmm. So great choice. I love it. Mark, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Alpha 8C? <laughs> just, just enjoy the ride. The one thing I would say, and, and we deal with lots of different people and lots of different cars, and it has nothing to do with how valuable the car is. Whatever it is that you collect, whatever it is that you're passionate about, that's what you should buy, and that's what you should enjoy. What's the best way for the Cars Yeah listeners to learn more about your business? Well, our, our cars and the history of our company is on our website, and that's www.hymanltd.com. And I would encourage the listeners to go to Mark's website, and you'll just you'll spend hours there looking at the eye candy, <laughs> the fantastic vehicles like I do. You can find all these links again at carsyad.com slash Mark Hyman or just put Mark in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. Mark, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and sharing your amazing experiences with the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.